Welcome to Main Street Today, a podcast or what we describe as radio on demand. Music, lifestyle, business, sports, feel-good stories about you and where you live. I'm Devin O'Day, and I'll be your host for this shareable show. For more on each story, you can subscribe and visit us at MainStreetMediaTN.com. Follow us on Facebook and reach out to me if you have a story. Main Street Today starts now. Hey, Bobby Tomberlin standing by, but I'm just going to give you a little sneak peek at what you're what you're about to, to find out. I just was ate up with music from the very beginning. It's all I wanted to do. And at age 11, I was a disc jockey. And then after high school, I skipped college and spent a couple of years in Muscle Shoals, then came to Nashville. Mel Tillis gave me my first publishing deal, $100 a week. And then I went to a grocery store for another $100 a week. <laughs> People like Brooks and Dunn and Patty Loveless, Diamond Rio, they would come through my checkout line, and I had no idea at the time that Diamond Rio would be the ones that changed my life when they recorded this song that I wrote called One More Day. One more sunset, 
maybe I'd be satisfied. a guest on Backstage Nashville, which I host every Saturday. It starts at 1230 at 3rd and Lindsley. It is a matinee show and it honors our songwriters, which is why I'm involved with it, because this is not music city to me. It is songwriter city. And there is a person that actually sat in a room with another person and came up with a song that tells everyone's story. Haven't we all thought, I wish I had one more day, especially after the year we've had. Well, with that, the master storyteller himself, Bobby Tomberlin, is standing by. Let's see. Bobby, how are you? Well, good morning, Devin. How are you doing? What are you, you? I'm just doing great. Now the, you're here. You're I, here. I'm, I'm here. I'm over at the Curb Word Publishing Conference Room. It's so fancy. Can't you tell? <laughs> I know. Did you write One More Day with, with Steve in, in that building? I didn't, but just down the road, a couple of buildings from here. Uh, crazy story. He was writing for Island Bound Publishing Company. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to name the name, but she's a very important person at Warner Brothers. <laughs> and she uh, left a candle burning and it the building burned down. I remember that. So all of the writers at Island Bound ended up moving into this little building. You know, there was like two rooms they used as writer rooms. And there happened to be an upright piano that belonged to Roger Cook. You know, Roger, I oh, yeah. it's the world to sing. And my co-writer, Stephen Dell Jones, I had the first verse. It just kind of fell out the first verse to one more day. Kind of fell out like literally the night before I was writing with Steve. He was a longtime friend. And when I played him the verse and it ended with one more day with you, he says, I'm not a piano player, but you know what? Here's, here's Roger's piano. And I've had this lick forever. Da, da, da. One more day. Oh. So if the building hadn't burned down, the song wouldn't be the same. Isn't it crazy where songs come from? And you've had song after song, but your story starts back in Luverne, Alabama. And you really did love country music from the time you were able to know what music was. It's the truth. I can't remember a time when uh, it just was <laughs> my soul. My, I mean, just totally like in my blood. I mean, mm -hmm. my memories, you know, uh, you know, the 45s, you know, of Glenn Camp, you know, uh, Merle Haggard, you know, going to the store with my mom, not wanting to go to the toy rack, but begging for a record. Yes. Begging for a record. I mean, my aunts, uncles, cousins, they tell me when I was like three and four, 
you know, I'd be at my grandmother's house and they'd have a stack of records and they'd say, Bobby, go get the Merle Haggard record. And I would literally go and at that age, I couldn't even talk really. I, and bring, you know, the record they wanted to, wanted me to bring them. It was kind of a fun thing. Well, you took that into, and, and, and people don't even believe this story, but you started as a disc jockey at age 11. I did in my hometown of Luverne, Alabama. I was just there Friday celebrating the release of this new song. And, and um, yeah, it was a 500 watt AM radio station, WLV. And <laughs> I can still remember going into that station. I remember the first record I queued up. Was like, what was it? Hank Williams Jr. and Album Cut. It wasn't even a single off the Hank Jr. and Friends album, a song called Montana Song. Yes. That he wrote just before he fell off the mountain. Um, we're queuing that up at 11 years old, and it was, you know, so exciting. And then they said, well, let's test your voice out. And even at 11 years old, I had kind of a deep voice and, mm -hmm. you know, got the gig. And, and then there was a Billboard magazine resource book there, I noticed a couple of years later. And uh, it had you know, Bobby Bear Enterprises, Eddie Arnold Enterprise, Bill Anderson, Hank Williams Jr., Johnny Cash. And I just called these offices. And that was at a time period where, oh, Hank's doing interviews at 2 o'clock Wednesday. Let's see. We have a spot five minutes at 3.15. And and I've got so many of them on cassette. Ray Price. Uh, it's just pretty crazy. Okay. I'm going to get you to do something. What kind of pen did you just hold up? You have a pen in your hand right now. What does it say? Oh, it's curb word. Okay. I just wondered. I always say, say, and I've, I've gone back to the seventies. I found these, you know, remember those kind that had all the different ones, but I always say, do you still write with a pen? I do most of the time. You know, what's funny. If I can tell it's going to be a really special song. I'm like, yep, it's a paper day. <laughs> and look, I thought you were noticing how I was holding the pen. It's really yeah. Looking, that's the way I hold my pen. Oh, yeah. When yeah. I was in kindergarten, the mm -hmm. teacher tried everything in the world to change, you know, make me hold it correctly. Wouldn't do it. So to this day, Sam Williams holds his pen like this. In that kind. Speaking of the Williams family, you've always had a real deep connection with them. When did that start? Because it started. It's an Alabama thing, isn't it? Well, Hank Senior was born about twenty-three, four miles from where I was born. And everywhere in my hometown, you know, the hardware. Oh, that used to be a theater where Hank and Audrey played. Uh, Schoolhouses, the community centers, uh, Chevrolet dealership. He played at the grand opening and there's pictures of it. Crazy. Before he made a big star. He was a regional star. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I, you know, the family, his side, Hank's side of the family, Audrey's side of the family, they were down there and. It's really interesting. When I was 11 years old, started working at the radio station the very first week, his first cousin, Edna, stopped by and brought me a milkshake and was advertising the Hank Williams Festival. And from that week on, all the way through high school, she and her husband would come by like on every Wednesday or Thursday and bring me a milkshake from the chicken shack. <laughs> and there they just from there they would invite me to Montgomery to these get-togethers, and I met Merle Kilgore, and you know, and then I met other Merle Kilgore, and then this cousin <laughs> led me 
to the radio station. I was going to work at another radio station after high school. She says, no, you need to go to this station in Andalusia, Alabama. I'm going to introduce you to the manager. I'm like, no, I'm already. And I'd given up on my songwriting dream. I'd been to Nashville one time and thought, no, I just don't think I, I just didn't have the courage. And so anyway, I said, okay, I'll ride down with you to this other radio station. We walk in. And there just happens to be a guy by the name of Billy Henderson who's taking care of his parents for a few months. And he had already had hits in Muscle Shoals at Rick Hall's publishing company, but he took a leave for about four months. And there he was. They hired me. I worked on the AM side. He worked on the FM side. It renewed my dream of songwriting. And I started pitching him ideas. And he became my songwriter mentor. So I thank Hank's cousin for leading. Well, God for leading, you know, for them to lead me. Well, I'm going to play the new, the new song because it really is your story encapsulated into three and a half minutes. It's this song. I've lived country music is so personal, but you know what? It's your story, but it's my story too. And anybody that's ever come to Nashville with a dream. Absolutely. I mean, I wasn't trying to write a song when I wrote this. I, I've been so blessed. And about uh, four years ago, I guess, Loretta Lynn was having her 4th of July. I was asked to sing a Conway and Loretta song with her. And I was just blown away. I couldn't believe it. The morning after, I just kind of sat there thinking of it. I couldn't believe it because I'd seen Loretta and Conway as a kid in Montgomery. And then I started thinking about other things, and the song just kind of wrote itself. Oh, wow. Well, we're going to give a listen. You you hang on there because I think everybody is going to be blessed by this song. Thank you. Down in Alabama, in a two red light town, my world revolved around the radio. In my little bedroom, the Opry came alive, and in my mind I was on the front row. I counted down the years till I could drive that old highway to the city where all my dreams could come true. There's been a lot of hard times. But they were all worth it As I look back At all the things I've got to do well, I sang with Loretta Wrote songs with Whispering Bill I even got to play Hank's guitar Rode the roads with little Jimmy Shook hands with Johnny Cash Funny how a dream can take you far I poured my heart and soul into it Yes, I've lived country music I sold groceries to Conway Twitty When I first came to Nashville and Mel Tillis paid my rent And I got to tell Merle Haggard 
How much his songs meant to me I swear his words were heaven sent I was at the Ryman with Bo Cephas In a small room with Glen Campbell He played Galveston and I sang along Had a smoke with Christopherson Willie Nelson sang my song I hung out with old George Jones at his home I poured my heart and soul into it Yes, I've lived country music Ate biscuits and gravy with Porter Wagner Wrote a song with Bobby Bear Heard Phil Everly sing Dream in his living room Was with Eddie Arnold in his last days I played on the Opry stage And I could feel the spirit of Hank Williams in that room I've given my heart and soul to it I've lived country music Yes, I've lived country music Yes, I've lived country music And I've lived country music Okay, I got the big squall and tears that that gets me and I, I left sweet Tess's heart up just for you. <laughs> I love me some Tess Frizzell and she's a very, very special. Golly, what a talent she can great sing. Song. Woo. Great songwriter too. Yes, absolutely. Steve Bernie checking in. Wow. What a great song. It is something how something can be so personal and yet touch our heart so deeply um annie awesome and uh <laughs> you're welcome sweet tess she and i got to have dinner together on the at the donaldson hermitage gala on the general jackson and it was so wonderful to sit across from her and share some stories well she has country music history phew does she not yeah it's like oh i, I was a disc jockey at age 11 well hey look at this baby picture of willie nelson holding me <laughs> i'm telling you isn't that the truth uh, Dottie West, her grandmother, and Alan Frizzell, her dad, correct? Yeah, Shelly, her mother, left, mm -hmm. even her uncle. I mean, she's lived country music in a whole different way than you have or I have. I mean, she was born into it in a very special way, and you guys make beautiful music together. I'm hearing your voices together. When I, I do encourage everybody, if you can ever hear Bobby live, do go see Bobby. And uh, and if you hear, if you get the double pleasure of seeing he and Tess sing together, whoo, have mercy. Y'all sing so well together. You know, some voices just blend extra special good. Y'all do. I agree. I mean, mm -hmm. feel it. You can tell. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wanted to ask you, there's a lot of people that are in some of those pictures that I wanted to ask you about. Now, there's one very special to me. I know that you've got a story about this fella right here, Mr. Bobby Bear. Bobby was one of those guys as a kid. I was just 
huge fan, you know, Hank Sr., of course, Junior, Waylon. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't even start naming names. I mean, Haggard. I mean, they, you know how many icons? They were icons when they were having hits. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Bobby Bear was one of those guys that I connected with his music, and I literally bought records and <clears throat> tapes. And, and uh, you know, he's the one that got waited mm -hmm. RCA. But anyway, I just, uh, I, I, you know, I first met Bobby when I was a sound engineer for Bill Anderson. And we didn't like him. Wait, wait a minute. You were a sound engineer for Bill Anderson? No. Yeah, for like three and a half years back like 1998 through 2001. I had come to town. Mel Tillis gave me my first publishing deal. Mm -hmm. 100 bucks a week. I went to a Kroger and worked for another 100 bucks a week. And then I started writing with Bill, and one day, I'll never forget it, he just says, would you like to be my sound engineer? And I said, well, I'm not a technical person, but he says, but you know what it's supposed to sound like, and there will be technical people there with the equipment. And I always mix the show just like a record. I'd turn those faders, you know, slide them up when it was the steel solo or the fiddle or whatever. And But anyway, met Bobby, met little Jimmy, Jeannie Seely, and so many of those people from the Opry through working with Bill. But Bobby Bear mm -hmm. met but didn't know him really. But um, just a few years ago, uh, we kind of connected and I just said, you want to write a song? And we did, and we've written like a couple and we've done some shows at the Bluebird and, and I just love the man. He's, he's amazing. Really, really special guy. And Bobby Bear and Friends was a show that was being taped live. I lived on Music Row when I first moved to Nashville and they taped it right next to me in a studio called Bullet. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And that's where they did, did Bobby Bear and Friends. And that's where I got to meet him. And and he had everybody in there. It was crazy. And then uh, this is another one of my favorite pictures of you hugging Larry Gatlin. I'm telling you. Oh, that was at the Texas Country Music Hall of Fame where he was inducted. He and his brothers. Mm -hmm. So sweet. So sweet. And of course, I want to remind everybody that I've lived country music is available now. It's on iTunes. Get it. Um, you know what? There are a lot of people who've sung your music, Bobby Tomberlin, but I like the way you sing your songs. Well, that's such a compliment. I mean, it really is. Thank you. Because for years, I kind of thought, well, I don't know. I wouldn't even sing any of my demos. I'm, you know what? I'm going to be totally honest with you. One of my first, not my first publisher, Mel Tillis was great, but I had a plugger. I don't bash people. I'm not going to name names, but he literally threw my CD against the wall told me I'll never play any of your music for anyone as long as you're singing it. I can't believe uh, I'm telling that because I usually don't put any bad energy, but I'm just telling you that really played with my head. It was. So oh my gosh. Well, and then I started and immediately after I landed a gig on CMT and the band for the singing bee and everybody's like, Oh man, sing, you sing the Hank Jr. Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard. Then I started doing shows and I said, well, I must not be terrible. But isn't it funny? And I, from that day, I'm like, no one person is going to really mess with my head. Nobody's going to, I, you know, you have to believe in yourself. Everybody has an opinion, but that was brutal to me when he did. It's cruel. And we all carry the, that one voice that nags away at our head and affects our confidence. And so anybody watching today, that's a write it down moment. You have to believe in yourself and don't let that one voice defeat you. I was glad to share that because I feel like maybe there are people out there that's maybe. <sighs> I am so glad that you did. I'm so glad that you did. 
before we get out of here, um, and I, I know I'm going to take it a little bit longer today, but I don't think anybody, people are, are, are always leaving comments like crazy. So I just wanted to ask you, uh, what was it like to sell groceries to one of my favorite people, Conway Twitty? Well, you know, I had been in radio my whole life. So when I came to Nashville, good luck getting a radio gig. <laughs> so I had to do something and I ended up at Kroger and it was the Kroger and Bell Mead and Diamond Rio. No, you know, never dreamed they would be the ones that really, really kicked my music career off. The people like Diamond Rio, Brooks and Dunn, Chris <laughs> Patty Loveless, Phil, Andy Williams came through my checkout line. Oh my gosh. In town doing a record for Curb. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But anyway, Conway Twitty would eat at the Bell Mead buffet. Do you remember over there? Yes. Oh, yes. Been there for years. It's not, mm -hmm. but he would eat on Wednesday evening and then walk over and then he'd walk in that Kroger. And you know, over in Bell Mead, that. They're not impressed with the country music singers. But when Conway Twitty walked in, these ladies, these older ladies would just stop. And a lot of them would run over to him for autographs. And I, oh, how cute. But he was just kind, very quiet. But I always got a kick out of it. I'm like, oh, it's Conway Knight. It's Conway <laughs> Conway Knight at the Bell Meat Kroger. I just love that. He was a very much an encourager uh, to a lot of songwriters in this town. He believed in the songwriter as few artists actually do anymore. There are a few, I mean, Tim McGraw is a big proponent for songwriters. George Strait has, has bought more songwriters homes than anybody, including me. So I'm really grateful to those people, but Conway was always an encourager for people who wrote songs. He really honored the songwriter. I hate that I didn't get to know him or really, you know, spend some quality music time around him, but he was very kind. Was but you certainly have been a mainstay around the Grand Ole Opry enough to write the song of songs. And, and, and probably one of my very favorites of yours has not won you song of the year yet, but you really wrote the theme song for the Grand Ole Opry. Wow. Well, that's huge coming from you. It's again, it's, the Grand you know, as a kid, you know, I was really that kid that listened to the Ernest of Midnight Jamboree. My mom, okay, it's time to go to bed. I would sneak that radio and listen. Same. I, I listened to the Grand Ole Opry. I remember very well as a kid hearing Loretta Lynn sing Coal Miner's Daughter and Ernest Tubb and Roy Acuff and Little Jimmy. And, uh, you know, always kind of wanted to write a song about it. And then JP Williams and I got together one day and lo and behold, it just came out. First time I ever met JP over at Major Bob Publishing. And and that song's very special to me. It wrote itself. And mm -hmm. like I said, I was Bill Anderson, sound engineer. So I was there almost any weekend that we weren't on the road. He was at the Opry. So I was there. I look at that as just some of the most special days because so many of those icons were still alive at that point. We're talking nine, again, 98 through 2001. And then little Jimmy Dickens became like a little granddad to me in the last year or two of his life when he, you know, he didn't drive out to the Opry any longer. So if I, you know, were in town, I would drive him and I drove him to his very last show at the mm. Rhine. And you know what? I'm going to share this with you on the mm. way there. He looked at me. I can just still see just every, every inch of his face. He looked at me and he said, Bobby, 
you don't know about missing someone until you've missed someone for over 60 years. He said, I miss Hank Williams as much today as I did in 1953. Wow. For some reason, that really got to me. Just, I mean, big tears, powerful, and the stories, and knowing the people that bring us those songs that have been in the texture of our lives. And I know that people, if you, uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm not even ashamed. I'm just having the big, the, the squally cry today because. That's what a great songwriter does. They tell great stories. And thank you for your time today. We're going to close with your Grand Ole Opry song. And it's from, because I, I'm going to start crying now and all my mascara is going to go down my face. <laughs> Can I stop though and say thank you for your support? You have been so supportive of me and had me on, you know, all different shows through the years. And you've just been nothing but kind. And thank you. Well, that's what happens when you're a huge fan. And, you, and when you really love somebody, and I really love you, Bobby Tomberlin, and I hope everybody goes and gets I've Lived Country Music and do a deep dive. Get everything that you can get with Bobby Tomberlin's name on it. Just just go get it. Thank and um, you're on stage on this clip. It's with uh, Mo Pitney, who's a, a, a traditionalist that everybody also needs to follow. Love that guy. He's, He's the, a real deal. He's the well, I'm going to say bye to everybody. Be safe, be kind. Remember, you are loved. And Bobby, you remember your love, too. You oh. take care, all right? Bye. I love that, Mo. Sir. Don't you love it when they fall out? Yes, that? and it did. I had to pick it up off the ground. <laughs> I'm glad it didn't break. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great one. That's a great one. Well, I was one of those kids that I actually listened to the Grand Ole Opry. I did. I didn't watch it. I listened to it. Didn't hear it online. That wasn't happening when I was growing up. I actually had that little radio, you know, where you'd have to turn it upside down and sideways, and the signal just never was that clear. I found out if you stood on your head, it came in clear. Well, I tried that. That's what's wrong with me. Oh, too many hours spending on my head. But I wanted to hear, you know, I wanted to hear the little Jimmy. I wanted to hear the Loretta. Anyway, I always wanted to write a song about the Grand Ole Opry. And uh, just a few years ago, thank you, a few years ago, this wonderful guy by the name of J.P. Williams and I got together and we wrote this. And recently I was really honored to be on this show, Country's Family Reunion. I don't know if any of you watched that on RFD and Mo was on there. He's been on there many times. But I got to sing this song, and I'd love to do it for you tonight. Simply call the Grand Ole Opry. I was born on one November night, back in 1925. Millions would invite me in to their living room like some old friend. I remember it like it was yesterday First time I crossed the radio waves I was introduced by George D. Hay He'd say, let her go, boys, and the fiddles play And they sing that I'm the one That made country music what it is today but it really wasn't me 
waste of my state. I'm alive and well as I can be. I'm the Grand Ole Opry. the things we've probably taken for granted is good old-fashioned communication. There's no one way to reach people, so we here at Main Street are communicating through every means possible to make the messages of our hometown accessible. So whether it's a Facebook video, online news, our traditional newspapers available in newsstands or for an unbelievably affordable subscription price or here in our podcast, something we like to call Radio On Demand. You can follow us, you can subscribe, you can even clip an article and send it to someone in the mail. We are your hometown. We are your Main Street. And don't forget to share. <laughs>